Welcome to today's episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman, and today I'm going to run through everything that happened in week one with our top stories of the week, including the absolute beating the Browns took on Sunday when they played the Titans. Another story, are the Patriots unstoppable? After their 33-3 beating of the Steelers, I'll discuss. Something's happening in Cincinnati, though. Are the Bengals better than really what we thought? Then we're going to give our debate topic of the week, and then our winners and losers. It's a fun show here today, guys, because finally we get to evaluate the first week of the regular season with so many shocking stories. I can't wait. So without further ado, let's get into this. So first story of the week, I want to talk about the Cleveland Browns, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield. Denzel Ward. This was supposed to be a group ready to make a run for the Super Bowl. And coming into this game, we all thought they were going to destroy the Titans. Me personally, I thought it was going to be close. But it turned out to be right. It was a blowout. But not in the sense we thought. The Titans ended up beating down the Cleveland Browns 43-13. to They got trampled. At home, too, nonetheless. Trust me, Browns fans were not happy. I saw a video of a guy burning his jersey and all of his stuff after the Browns lost to the Titans. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, granted, it's one game. I get it. Week one, everything's tough, which I saw was thought was going to happen eventually. But, I mean, think about it from this standpoint. Mayfield threw three interceptions the whole game. Two of them were on him, one of them was not. And he had one touchdown. Thank goodness for the passing yards. But my goodness, what is up with Baker? He couldn't get anything done. I, either the Titans' defense is that good, or the Cleveland offense is just not working right now. And it doesn't help that there was almost no protection for Mayfield. I mean, there was... I can't believe it. You lost Greg Robinson because he made the ill-advised decision to kick a player in the helmet in his face mask. So that, that alone should be a problem. And your offensive line, losing Kevin Zeitler and trading him to the Giants to get Olivia Vernon, great, helped your defense. But no, it didn't, it didn't help the fact that now your offensive line is suffering. Now Mayfield, there's no time in the pocket. I mean, what do you expect at this point? The Cleveland Browns just, it seemed like they were overhyped. I think they were overhyped. We all got blinded, even myself included by the mistakes that were there on the offensive line. The basis thing that needs to be taken care of so your quarterback can actually make the offense work. That's the foundation. Why do you think the Cowboys spend so much money on their offensive linemen? They make sure that they give their franchise quarterbacks enough time to get the job done. Dak Prescott, for example. Leo Collins. I mean, they just signed him to an extension, and let me tell you, he's been paying off. The entire Cowboys offensive line is amazing. In this case for Cleveland, there were too many holes. And as a result, the Titans exploited it with different kinds of blitzes 
and they used more of zone coverage rather than man to land those interceptions. And it confused Baker because he didn't know what to do. He literally had two seconds in the pocket to get the ball out. It's unbelievable. But on another note here, I mean, the defense couldn't even secure a win because of the lack of the possession from the Browns' offense. Because everyone knows when one side of your team is on the field too much or for too long, they're going to get worn out. And when they are worn out, they make more mistakes, which allows for scores to go up more. That's that example in case the Dolphins, they took a beating against the Ravens, 59 to 10. That was the offense couldn't get anything going. They could barely stay on the field. The Dolphins defense got destroyed. I mean, that's a big thing. You need to make sure your defense stays off the field. You want to make sure your offense kills the time. You want your offense to do the work and you want your defense to lock down. When you lose your defense, it all becomes your offense. Your offense has to pick up. And with how well the Titans defense was playing, it wasn't going to work for the Browns here. So there was no way they were winning this game at the rate it was going. Do I Now the question becomes, will they rebound? Can they rebound from this and try to get back to that form we see? I think they will. I think the Browns will rebound, but in order to do that, they got to lock down that oak line offensive line. If they don't lock down that offensive line, they're not going to have any chance of winning this season. You're going to see more of this happening. It'll be close games, but you're going to see more of this. In order for them to win, they need to lock down the offensive line if they want a chance of even winning a game this season. Because after that performance, I don't know what I don't know what to expect. Moving on to the next storyline here. Are the Patriots unstoppable? I mean, watching the game Sunday night in Foxborough, knowing now that Antonio Brown is not even playing, and they won thirty-three to three, that just that just blew my world. I mean, then the Patriots made a trade, got rid of Demaryius Thomas after this game to send to the Jets because they were ready to take AB in. I mean, Brady looked ageless. It's like age doesn't hit them hit the quarterback. It's insane. At, at the rate he's going, he's looking for another ring this year. He's going to get that other ring. And I'm not saying that because they have Antonio Brown now. I've been saying that ever since Gronk retired. Though they, even though they don't have their solid tight end to block, really, they don't really have one besides Matt Lacoste, the Patriots have enough offensively and defensively to make a real run. I think the defense is going to be strong enough to shut down the Chiefs' offense, or really any offense, I think that defense, I mean, I mean, I think that offense has enough to exploit even the most dangerous defenses. The only defense I'd be a little questionable about here would be like against like the, a team like the Ravens or the Eagles. But otherwise, it's going to be really tough to stop the Patriots here. They utilized multiple different receivers. I mean, Julian Edelman got touches. Philip Dorsett, you had Demarius Thomas get touches. Um, their backup tight ends got touches. Michelle, James White... And uh, Rex Burkhead all got touches. It was great to watch. I was very happy to see it. And even Brady took... He had perfect time. He had all the time in the world to get the ball out. And I was very happy about that. The Steelers couldn't get the pressure. I don't know if it's just because of how the Steelers are set up right now. on Defensively. Because I mentioned the age issue. But... I think the Steelers are a strong enough team for the Patriots to have to face here. Think about it this way. The Steelers are usually a challenging team every year. 
But this year there was something different. It felt like in this game that there was a difference in the way they were moving and aging defense. Granted, but the Steelers were never a bad team, and I don't think they are a bad team. I just think they had a really bad week. And it was bad enough for me to do something, which I'll explain later on. But the simple way to, to explain is that it's going to take an overwhelming offense and a strong defense to oust the Pats. That that would be teams like the Eagles or the Ravens. I mean, they've got the best chances. Did you see the beating that the Ravens put on the Dolphins? That ain't no fluke. I think that's a real. I think their offense is that good. Marquise Brown is a stud, and that defense, amazing, top five in the league, absolutely. So. When I'm telling you that I think the Patriots are unstoppable, I don't I don't think they are. I think there's a way to stop them, but not many teams are going to have that ability to do it. So the Patriots are going to exploit that and win. This could be a 16-0 season for the Patriots. This could be. But I don't know yet. Time will tell. It's only week one. So a lot of what I'm saying, we don't know. It's going to take a little bit of time. But I do know that And moving on to the next topic here, I might turn some heads. I mean, something is happening in Cincinnati. Did anybody else see the Seahawks-Bengals game this past week? I don't think you guys did. Unless you really live in Cincinnati. Or are a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Or a Seattle Seahawks fan. What I'm about to tell you is that the Bengals are better than we thought. They're a lot better than what we thought. Or at least I thought. I thought they were a 2-14, 3-13 team because of just just simply for how important not having A.J. Green is and how important it is not having the team you want there. I thought the defense was struggling. I thought the offense had so many issues, especially on that offensive line. Don't even get me started. But... When it came down to what it really was, it turns out that Cincinnati's very good. And I underestimated Dalton. And I underestimated what Zach Taylor was doing. I mean, John Ross is a big example here. He wasn't utilized much in Marvin Lewis's offense. In his playbook, he didn't he used him more on short routes that had abrupt stops. And kind of slowed down his stride, slowed down his momentum. As a result, he had to, he had to work to get that back, and that's why he didn't have as many passing yards. Why he wasn't really as relied on as receiver. Granted, he had some scores, but on the same side, he did he wasn't used in the full capacity that they wanted him, that they drafted him for. He wasn't worthy of a first round pick. He was worthy of like a mid round or fifth round pick. But now in this Zach Taylor offense. They're using him differently. They're doing him. They're using him for what he was in, what he was doing in college, which was momentum building and hitting him as he accelerates. So, basically, to make this sound more understandable and more coherent, Andy Dalton's now hitting John Ross in stride rather than on the short routes. So he'll hit him on long posts downfield, hit him in streaks. He'll do what he's got to do to make sure that they use his speed properly. I mean, there's a reason why John Ross had over 100 yards receiving this week. It was insane. 
I didn't think the number was going to come up that way. Tyler Boyd, great game from him too. The passing game was clicking, even with the bad offensive line. I mean, Andy Dalton got sacked five times, and he fumbled the ball twice because of lack of protection. But even with that, they lost 21-20. to They had the lead for a good amount of the game. This was a good game. Bengals fought hard. They could have won this. And I'm going to say it's really behind Andy Dalton here. He was dialed in. Last time we talked about Andy Dalton, I posted the first debate topic, and I told you guys that Andy Dalton might be in his last season, and I think it's over. I didn't think he was worthy enough to be the starting quarterback, but after what I saw this week, I might have to start investigating that a little bit more further. Because I don't know if I was right after seeing what I saw. Again, week one. Week one. But I was impressed. 415 yards passing and a 68% completion percentage is not a joke. He had two touchdowns. His QBR was a one... Well, no, his QBR, not his passer rating. His QBR was a 55.1. Currently ranking like 16th in the league. Again, about average, which is where he was last season. But not in the sense of passer rating. His passer rating is at the highest it's been in his career. Again, one game, but still. The last time he posted a passer rating this high, it was in 2015 when the Bengals made the playoffs. When there wasn't turmoil in Pittsburgh. And Le'Veon Bell was still the running back and cared about being on the team. It was that sense of knowing that Andy Dalton was good. People said, that's him. That's the quarterback we've been looking for. And over the last three seasons afterwards, so 2016 to 2018, we started to lose that sense. We started thinking he's going downhill. This may be, he may be out now. They're going to oust him. Um, Didn't happen. He came back stronger and he played harder and he did what he had to do now to try and win that game. That defense was incredible. They were great. And I really am happy about how well the, um, this Cincinnati defense played. They did everything they could to stop DK Metcalf to get to Russell Wilson, disrupt the run game with Chris Carson. They did everything they had to do. And I'm impressed. They did a lot better than what I thought they were going to do. But the, the real story is Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton did very well. And at the moment, technically, he has the most passing yards in the NFL. He's atop the leaderboard in passing yards. Passer rating, not so much. But yardage, yeah. He's the top of the board at 418. It was a good week. And I think if they can reproduce that, it's going to be nothing but peaches. It's going to be peachy. Very good. It's going to be very good for uh, Cincinnati and publicity and everything that they want. Now, how much better do I think the Bengals are? Um, If I were to decide, I don't think they'll make a division spot. I don't think they'll get a wild card spot, so I think they're going to miss the playoffs. But they're definitely going to get more than four wins. I think they'll get more than four wins. They're going to work harder and make games close and edge them out in some of them. That's why I'm thinking Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to do a lot better than people think. And again, I like what Zach Taylor did. It was impressive. Okay, in simple, Dalton is dialed in. He's completing passes to his big name targets. And the solid run attack from Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard are taking pressure off the passing game, which now is making Dalton's life easier. So he doesn't have to pass all the time. 
So basically, yeah, something's brewing in Cincinnati. And the Bengals are better than what we thought, and team needs to, teams need to worry about them. Because they will come into your house, and they will shock you. This week, if I am correct, the Bengals are playing... Um, oh my goodness, who are they playing? They're playing San Francisco. They're playing the 49ers, who just had a big week against the Buccaneers. But, again, it's Buccaneers. The 49ers have a very good defense. Andy Dalton exploits that defense, they're going to win the game. He's going to do everything he can to create a mismatch between John Ross or Tyler Boyd and Richard Sherman. It's going to be something you got to watch for. And I think we're going to be shocked to see how well Cincinnati does. So, I don't think they're going to get a division spot or make the playoffs, but they're going to get more than four wins. So, Cincinnati's better than what we thought. Which now leads me into my debate topic this week. I apologize in advance about last week. I didn't tell you your responses from the last debate topic. And I feel bad. So, this week I'm going to make it up to you. And I'm going to post, I promise, the debate topic answers for this one. Because this one is a really good one. Trust me on this. The The topic this week is what teams surprise you? What teams have surprised you this week? Because we all came into week one not knowing what teams were going to do well, what teams were going to suck. Some teams we thought were going to do really well, like the Chicago Bears, ended up having horrible performances. Some teams we didn't expect to do really well, did really well. I mean, think about it. Nobody expected the Ravens to blow out the Dolphins by that much, by seven touchdowns. Nobody believed it. Nobody saw it coming. And nobody saw the Bills having a 17-point comeback to beat the Jets in the fourth quarter. See, it's a lot of things here. There's a lot of teams that could have surprised you, whether it was good or bad. So I'm asking you, what teams surprised you this week? Not week two, because by the time I record the next episode, it'll be week two. Or we'll be just on week two, but from week one. So, I'm going to post it on Twitter at my handle, which is tstatsman, and on my Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. Long name, I know, but we're working on it. We may have to create a new page altogether. Stay tuned on that. So... For us, the teams that surprised me this week. It's it's a long shot, but I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of people said the Vikings were going to do really well this season. And then others were saying, oh, they're going to be like one of the worst teams in the NFC North. They're going to be on the same level as the Detroit Lions. Now, I thought they were going to be better Lions, but not as good as the other two in the North. But now I'm starting to change my mind a little bit. They surprised me. They really did this week. Their defense held Atlanta to 12 points, and all 12 points were scored in the fourth quarter. So think about that a second. For three quarters of football, we saw the Atlanta Falcons passing game destroyed by the Minnesota Vikings. Hmm. That's pretty crazy. They got pressure on Matt Ryan, and they forced turnovers. Also, insane. I mean, even with the absence of the pass game against Atlanta, the Vikings still managed to win. 28-12. Kirk Cousins only threw 10 passes the whole game. 
and they won 28 to 12. And it's thanks to an aggressive performance from Dalvin Cook. I this kid is one of the best running backs in the game and I am tired of people saying otherwise. Dalvin Cook is a balance and running back. He is a balanced runner. He has the strength to throw linemen. And he has the speed and quickness of an Olympian sprinter. Dalvin Cook is a great running back. And people need to put more respect on his name. Especially after what happened this past week. I have never seen a running back have that dominant performance. He reminded me of Adrian Peterson this week. That was an AP performance. A usual performance back when he was in his prime. But you get what I'm saying. Dalvin Cook, after this game, looked like the second coming of Adrian Peterson for the Vikings. He showed why he was a first-round draft pick. I mean... Even with that absence of the pass game, we all know it's going to come back eventually. And mainly it's when Diggs gets healthier and he's ready to go. And once you get that emphasis on the air attack, the Vikings are going to be one of the most difficult teams to defend against. They're playing the Packers next week. If they're if Diggs and the Vikings are healthy, prepare to watch the Vikings go into Lambeau and beat the Packers and outplay Aaron Rodgers. Be prepared. As great as that Packers defense is, as great as that Vikings defense is, this is an offense game. This these offenses are going to go at it and fight to get win to get points. And I think the Vikings will edge it out as long as the passing game is healthy. If they're not healthy, the Packers will get the win. But the Vikings have the talent. They have what they need. Kirk Cousins needs to step up, and Dalvin Cook needs to repeat what he did this week. Maybe even go beyond that. So yeah, the Vikings surprised me the most this week. I see the Vikings going pretty far now. They surprised me. So don't be afraid to tell me who surprised you this week, whether it was a good or a bad thing. So make sure to let me know on Twitter and on Instagram at tstatsman and on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. So make sure to comment. And the best ones will be featured on next week's podcast. Now, this leads me into the final topic of discussion for today. The winners and losers. Now, because we finally hit the regular season, that means everything's more entertaining. There's more storylines. That means I get to pick more winners and more losers. Great for you guys. More fun for me, too. Because that means I get to talk more football for the true football fans. This week, I'm picking two winners and two losers. So, I'm going to alternate them. One winner, one loser, one winner, one loser. So, I think you guys will get who my losers are. But when I say my winners, they may shock you. So, I'm going to start off with the first shocking winner. And I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. Quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. You know you know that quarterback that wanted that insane contract for the Dallas Cowboys? Just to be remain their quarterback? You know, nothing big. Like, I think he said something like $40 million. Do you be able to be their quarterback? Yes, you heard that right. $40 million. I don't blame him. After, I mean, at first I was like, no way. No way am I supporting Dak Prescott here. But, wow. 
Granted, it's the Giants. But I like what I saw from Dak on Sunday. Okay, he proved himself worthy of a massive extension. He proved that he was deserving of the contract. If he reproduces it this week, even better. I mean, thinking about how good Dallas was just makes me think more of what's yet to come. This week, they're playing Washington. In Washington. Washington is actually surprisingly a good team. They kept the game close in the first half against the Eagles. So don't be surprised if they try to make more out of it. Case Keenum did a lot better than what we thought he was going to do. So, with that being noted, Dak Prescott against the Giants had a 78% completion percentage. With 405 yards and 4 touchdowns. Don't, and also, kind of a good number here, but no interceptions. Ezekiel Elliott was not even at the top of his game Sunday. They were taking their time with him. So he only had about 60, 70 rushing yards. Prescott picked up the slack. And he did that in massive ways, using Michael Gallup, Jason Witten, and Amari Cooper as crutches to making this team so dangerous. I mean, it's proving not only that he's a great quarterback, but that he's worthy of an amazing size contract. He reproduces it throughout the season. I'd say within the next four weeks, if he keeps this whole thing up, he's going to get that extension. Same numbers, even better. Do what he got to do. And I guarantee you, Dak Prescott will get that $40 million contract in no time. They're still in discussions about it, but I really do think it's possible. I think Dak is going to get that extension as long, again, as he reproduces his numbers. And again, this is the Giants. But don't be afraid. Don't be surprised if you see it again. Because I think Dak could be real this time. Could be for real. Moving on now to the other loser, the first loser, the only loser, really. Well, that's a lie. But the only obvious loser, the Miami Dolphins. Simply put, you lost by 49 points to the Baltimore Ravens. So either the Ravens are that good, or the Dolphins are just that disgraceful. Your defense could not stop Lamar Jackson. Your defense could not stop RG3. When he came in, he comes in, he gets a touchdown and goes perfect. Eight for eight. What is wrong with you? So that QB change couldn't even prevent the suffering. I mean, with week one in the books, reports are already emerging that multiple Dolphins players have been talking with their agents to find ways out of Miami, out of South Beach. So... Might be a bit of an issue there. This is something you didn't want. This is basically a loss of trust in the head coach, Brian Flores, to do the job right and get the Dolphins where they want to be. Now, on top of this whole thing, let's not forget how bad the quarterbacks played. Ryan Fitzpatrick got pulled out of the game at one point. They put in Josh Rosen, and within the first three passes of the game, he threw a pick, and they lost. It just put was a cherry on top. You made a QB change. Your backup QB couldn't even make do better. Couldn't. The Ravens weren't that good. You know it's bad when they bench the st- when they put the starting quarterback on the bench, put in his backup, and his backup scores a touchdown. 
That's the thing. That alone tells me Miami and my prediction for 0-16 was right. I don't know what Miami's going to do this week against New England. I don't know what they're going to do week two, but they need to figure it out now. They're in trouble, and we all knew they were in trouble, but this is beyond trouble. This is a franchise that's falling apart at the seams. They need to find ways to lift this franchise up again. I don't care if you got to make massive trades to get players out and bring in better players. It doesn't matter. Go for players that want to be there. That's first of all what you should be doing as a coach. Make sure you got players that actually want to be with the team. First of all, that's the number one thing. And with this whole thing of reports, it just proves that the mentality is now set in the locker room that Flores and the Miami Dolphins are giving up on the season. And when that happens, your players are going to give up. So when your players give up, the team gives up, the team loses out. And you're going to have the lowest attendance records this year. Not a good look. Miami, prepare. Prepare. Trust me. Prepare. Looks like Tua might be coming to town very soon. Moving on to our second winner. I'm going with a surprising winner. And I'm going to give it to um, Matt LaFleur. For those who don't know who that is, that is the the first-year head coach for the Green Bay Packers. He entered the Bears game with a target on his back. Came from Tennessee. He was a defensive coordinator. They were looking to use him to fix the Packers' defense once again. Even if that meant cutting the franchise identity outside of Aaron Rodgers in, um... What's his name again? Oh, yeah, Clay Matthews. Yeah, no big deal. No big deal. Caught him. Packers fans were, like, irate. They couldn't believe that he caught him and that they got rid of him and that he went to the Rams. It was a shock. So he goes into the Bears game with a target on his back already, talking about how bad the, their defense is and how it's not going to be enough to stop the Bears. The Bears got to win this game. I was one of the people who thought the Bears were going to win this game. I thought it was going to be really close. But apparently it was close, but in the wrong aspect. LaFleur walked out of that game with praise from all likes of the NFL. Everyone in the NFL was praising the Green Bay Packers and Matt LaFleur for what happened. That's amazing. That's what he wanted. The defense of the Green Bay Packers shut down the Bears' offense. It just leaves the Bears helpless now on defense because now they're going to be exhausted. Rodgers exploited that and did just enough to win the game. Now, I say just enough because he didn't have a great performance on the field. He really didn't. It wasn't good. But now with a little more development and a few adjustments on offense, including at the O-line spot, the Packers are looking to win the North this year. And you can thank Matt LaFleur for that. I am so happy that I'm seeing the Packers finally come to form after Mike McCarthy left. Mike McCarthy's probably sitting at home right now eating a tub of ice cream going, Why did I do this? Why did they come me? He's probably, he's probably crying his eyes out. He can't believe that the Packers are doing well. He's going to be jealous. And you can take my other four for that. The receiving core is dangerous. The defense is dangerous. The offense is going to click very, very soon. 
So when that happens, this team's going to be on, very hard to stop. You could see a Patriots-Packers Super Bowl. I'm not even kidding. Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. It could happen. Get it? It makes It also fits the historical aspect. The best franchise of the 21st century versus the first franchise to win the first to win the first Super Bowl. It makes sense, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the winners this week, and Matt Lafleur was a winner. But now comes my loser of the week. Oh no, the final loser. I wanted to give it to Tampa Bay. I really did. I wanted to give it to James Winston. I wanted to give it to Bruce Arians. I wanted to do it. But I couldn't bring myself to do it because I was prepared. I was ready to go. I was ready to go off on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was ready. But then the Sunday night game happened. And the Pittsburgh Steelers got blown out. So now, you're on the loser list. In simple terms, if it was not for the Browns' performance against the Titans, I would easily list the Pittsburgh Steelers as the worst team in the AFC North. After this week, the Browns were just atrocious, and so were the Steelers. Juju Smith-Schuster, I love the guy. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he was able to handle the pressures of being that top wide receiver in Pittsburgh. I think it got to him. Again, week one. But now it's your first week being that top receiver in a regular season game. So that's where it feels weird. And I think that's what he was dealing with. As Ben Roethlisberger lost connections with his receivers throughout the game. He lost connections with James Washington. He was losing it with Dante Moncrief and Juju. He couldn't get anything done. The run game just collapsed behind the big pages D-line because it is big and they are strong. They were putting as much pressure on Big Ben as possible and whenever they tried to hand the ball off to Jalen Samuels or James Conner, nothing really happened. Now, that was one element they couldn't afford to lose. When you lose the run game, you lose the team. That was one thing that they were defined by for so many years, especially last year. Their running game was very good. But now all of a sudden, they lost it. So now their offense is struggling. Now they have nothing. So they need the defense to step up. But they couldn't even stop Brady for one second. They couldn't. They barely got a chance to breathe while the offense was on the field. The offense was on the field. They got three and out, so they probably got like a first down or two. And then they were off the field. It was disheartening. And it's not the example you want to set in week one. Especially for the Pittsburgh Steelers trying to prove you didn't need Antonio Brown. And now we see that you actually kind of needed him. So this is not an example you want to set. And lastly, Mike Tomlin needs to sort this out and get his team back on track. It's that simple. Mike Tomlin has to sort this out and get his team back. You got to figure out what the issues were. You gotta attack them head on and prepare for your next game. For which the Pittsburgh Steelers are gonna be playing Seattle in Pittsburgh. That's looking to be another loss if you don't get back on track. Because now the Seahawks offense is coming to town. That Seahawks defense is coming to town. 
They're looking to go 2-0. and You can stop them. You definitely can. But you gotta sort out what the problems were, isolate them, and turn them into strengths as you go on to face the Seattle Seahawks. It's just the truth. You gotta figure it out. And real soon. Or else you guys are gonna be in serious trouble. So you gotta prepare for that. I'm ready. I hope you guys are ready. Because it's gonna be happening a lot sooner than we thought. So let's pray for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Miami Dolphins to do well. And let's appreciate how well Matt LaFleur has done for the Packers and how great Dak Prescott is doing for the Cowboys. I mean, Dak is pretty much on track. That's where he needed to be. He did exactly what he needed to do to get his contract, to get the contract he wants. And off that note, that's going to conclude this episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. Don't forget to comment on Twitter and Instagram, or give us a follow at tstatsman and on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman, and we will see you next week. Have a great day, everyone.